Welcome to another episode of That's Some Crazy Shit with Kelly and James. My name is Kelly and my co-host, his name would be... James. Mr. James. What's up, dude? Mr. James. Hey, you know how it is. Corner office or corner studio. Sorry. Yeah, get, get it. Confused. Get it right. There's so many corners. <laughs> that is funny. Uh, guess what? What? We got a really cool, cool, cool guest today. Oh, I knew that. You know, we have a lot of authors. We always get hit up by authors that want to come on. Whether they've written fiction, whether they've written nonfiction, we have had our share of authors on this podcast. Yeah, we have. And the thing is, though, the things that they've written about, they've experienced that it's crazy shit. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you, writing a book itself is crazy shit. If you've ever tried to write a book and publish a book, it is, wow, it's some crazy shit. It really is. I've been there, been there, done that. But been there, this, done that. This dude, well, I have it, but you did. Yeah, it's crazy. But this dude, James, he wrote a book. And what is the name of Peter's book? The Psychic Ward Notes. No, Surviving. it's not. It's not no. the Psychic the, Ward Notes. Or the Psychic Ward the Notes. S- surviving Anxiety and Depression. I didn't put my punctuation correctly, huh? There's no psychic... And the, the psychic, the psych. Oh, sorry, psych. <laughs> sorry, psych. <laughs> hey, man, I'm used to say psychic. I know that's what I tell you. There's no psychic. Now, My what bad. is what is the name of the book again? The psych ward notes surviving anxiety and depression. There you go. <laughs> Not psychic. My bad. Not psychic. And Peter actually is somebody who actually spent. Um, um, time on a psych ward and decided to journal what was happening and then published a book about it. And it, you know, I, if anybody's ever dealt with mental illness, it's, it's, it's a very serious situation. Um, I think it's becoming less and less taboo to get help. Right. And so for somebody to actually come out and say, yes, I was in a psych hospital and this is what happened, you know, kudos because I, I think it's okay. Right. Because that, you know, he shared a lot of personal stuff about his life. So it's crazy shit, you know, literally, figuratively, it's crazy. But I'm ready, James, ready to have him come on? Let's do it. So um, we brought you on, Peter, because I thought you had a really interesting story to tell. And so why don't you start off by letting our listeners know um, about your book and your experience and just how, what brought you here? Sure. Um, my name is Peter Vox. I wrote a book called The Psych Ward Notes, Surviving Anxiety and Depression. Uh, I was diagnosed at a young age um, for having anxiety disorder. I'm 53 years old. Uh, when I turned, uh, the year I turned 50 into turning 51, I was hospitalized uh, after uh, having just, you know, 10 years of, uh, you know, a downward spiral with mental illness. And uh, it was finally time to, because of medications and things like that, it was uh, that that sped up the process of me being hospitalized. 
so uh, while I was in the hospital, I wrote, a, I kept a journal uh, at the advice of a psychologist. I started writing a journal uh, about my life and then it became more about uh, psych psychiatric wards and um, more about, you know, mental illness and medications and uh, obviously my experiences and then the experiences of the other patients and just, uh, I was listening to Dr. Yoho's interview and he was talking about the mental, uh, about pharmaceutical, a uh, big pharma, and he mentioned um, Prozac and Xanax. And I'm one of those people that uh, had a suicide attempt on Prozac and the way I was, I had suicidal ideation and the way I got rid of it was taking a big handful of Xanax. And, wow. you know, I could have overdosed on the Xanax. So. Um, it's 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 you know i'm one of those examples of people that he was talking about so i was listening to the interview and i'm like oh that's a coincidence i was laughing it was it was i was like that's me that's me <laughs> so i wrote a book about my experience at, at, at psychiatric hospitals and then it became you know after i got tired of writing about myself um i, I started looking around and look at this patient and I'm, what is uh what is you know what is this person's affliction the you know schizophrenics and um uh, I just learned more about, you know, they, uh, about people that are homeless that you see on the street were my roommates and people I would eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner with every day and um, sit and watch TV for hours with and, and, and talk to for hours. You know, you're, you're living with them for months on end and they become your friends, obviously. And you learn, you learn, uh, you learn to, uh, come to understand uh, them as as a person you know as as a, like a regular friend and it's uh you you're it, you look you're looking past what the, the mental illness is and you're seeing the real person because you're you're doing everything in life with them for the for that amount of time so you learn about people and and you hear their life stories and and um how they got to where they were so i thought that was interesting uh, because you can only talk about yourself for so long and bellyache about yourself. And uh, so I said, well, what's this person's story and what about them? And so you pay, I started paying attention more and making, trying to make the best of my time there. And, uh, you know, while there's uh, some, you know, depressing stories, I guess, about why I was depressed and what led, led to anxiety and the problems that, you know, people go through, um, there's humor there because, uh, you know, you have to cope with it somehow. So there's a lot of humor in the book that I wrote. And uh, and and some of the, you know, I had some good la laughs, you know, okay, I was hospitalized, but there's times you have some good laughs that are healthy. There was a lot of uh, joking around as much as a lot of things that, that are not great about being there. So uh, I write about the whole spectrum of things. So, so Peter, I'm, and let me ask a question for Strange on like, yes, because I, I wanted to talk about this. So before you get into like, the actual mental illness. Did mm -hmm. you find if someone who suffered from mental illness, did you find that it was hard to actually gain access to resources to help you? Because there seems to be a disconnect from somebody who now believes themselves to have a mental illness and then mm -hmm. the ability for them to actually get help for that mental illness. Was that a barrier for you? Do you talk about that at all in your book? Um. No, uh, for me, what happened was it, everything was always done through uh, the, the, I got, I got, I first started therapy when I was 14 and, and we got that doctor through a referral, you know, through my medical doctor and you're talking mm -hmm. 1984. So 
uh, finding a therapist back then, there was there was less things to go, less hurdles to go through. You just found, you know, a psychiatrist and you went and it wasn't so hard because not many people went. So it was, uh, it, you know, it was easy to find one. Um, and then because I had a teaching career and, and I have good health insurance, um, it's not hard to, you know, it's not hard to get those resources if, if you have good insurance. But there's, it, uh, getting access is, is getting uh, a little bit easier now, I think. Um, uh, you know, the best, I hate to say the best place to go first is, is you know, you go through a hospital, they'll, they'll give you the resources that you can go through. You know, not necessarily stay there because, you know, you don't have insurance, but they can, but if, you, but if you're in trouble and you're in crisis and you call 911, They'll, they'll get you to the emergency room and then from there they'll give you resources you know that's the easiest way right. um i think the, it's easy to access medication if you want because we're an over medicated society like like dr yoho was saying right um so that, that's the easy part uh the tough part is finding uh a good therapist or, or um you know that that you can go to for free or uh or, or finding a, you know, a group to work with, uh, you know, a peer advocacy group. And, and those things are popping up more, um, you know, for, for people that, uh, that can't afford it. And, but, you know, there's things that can help where I, uh, something as simple as, you know, a, a Facebook group that helps people with anxiety and depression. There's, there's certain groups that you can join, you know, chat groups that are helpful. But um, but if you're in serious crisis, every time I was in serious crisis, I, we called 911 and the hospital got everything rolling for me. And um, the, the problem, one of the problems with that, with the mental health system is the amount of space that they have is limited. That's where the shortages are um, in, you know, finding a therapist and getting medication. That's that's pretty easy. But uh, um places for people to stay that really need it is there's a shortage of that and then they they you get over medicated uh because it's it's the quickest and easiest thing for them to do to keep you sedated so that just in case you're violent you know you won't be um you know strong enough to to cause much damage if you're a violent person and, and i you know that's what I personally believe. Why that? Why? Why you get over medicated at a hospital? Is so that just in case you're, just in case you're violent, you know they have you sedated and makes uh, sense. You know that there's people that, um, you know that I was that I, you know I shared rooms with or or were on my floor, or my wards that were that were violent. You're like, thank God that person is medicated. You wow. know, thank God they're sedated. Uh, because you don't know, like they're pissed off. They're pretty pissed off now. Can you imagine how they would be if they were not medicated? And um, but uh, you know, for someone like me, or or you know, who's not doesn't have violent tendencies and things like that, uh, you know, I just felt so drugged up. So, um, but going back to you know accessibility, um, yeah, there's not enough places for you know. Uh, you know, for people at, at that time. And, but it seems more and more that uh, more people are training to be mental health specialists. Um, and it's just advertised more. I'm in New York. So 
the talk about it is um, is constant. I hear it every day. You know, taking care of people with mental health issues. So at least in New York, um, you know, I see more and more organizations popping up and more awareness to it. It is the fact. Um, is there something being done about it? Um, like I was in Bronx Psychiatric Center and they had, I was in the new part of the, of, I almost said a hotel. I was in the new part of the, the psychiatric hospital and, and their old building, they're not using anymore. So it's empty. And I'm wondering why is it empty? Is there something structurally wrong with it? Right. Or is there asbestos? But if it's empty and you need the space, you have to reopen it and use it, you know? Right. And, 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 you know, maybe, and put some money in, upgrade where it needs to be upgraded. You know, and and it can fit a few hundred patients, and um, you know, then you have to you need the workforce for it. And yeah, it's true because there's a lack of doc because there's a lack of uh, of mental health professionals. I believe that's the other why they keep you overly medicated because um, well, if you're not getting you know enough group therapy and you're not speaking about things enough, or there's not enough people to help run. You know, even an arts and crafts group or the or the exercise group, we got to keep them. Got to keep you calm, so they drug you up. You know. So, uh, I think it's in an, in an in between phase where it's not impossible, but you have to do some independent work to get help quickly. And I do see commercials a lot for, um, you know, therapists online. You can do it remotely. Uh, so there's there's things like that, and then I'm seeing commercials for uh, where you can just talk to a doctor online, and they'll send you. I saw one today. Yeah, she the doctor sent me a generic form of Lexapro today. I'm like, oh my god, that's a serious drug, and you can just get it in the mail, you know, and not even be at <laughs> that's the, scary. The doctor's be at the doctor's office, you know, and really sit down and talk to a professional. Like, oh, you need you need you know. It's they're giving it away willy nilly. You know, I don't want to, you know, diminish people that, you know, have anxiety and depression, obviously, because I do. But do you truly have it? Do you really need these strong medications when maybe mm. you're going through um, a temporary rough period when normally you're OK? And now all of a sudden, because you're experiencing something for the first time and you go to a doctor go, oh, oh my god you have depression so that means oh my god this is the rest of my life and and now you're taking these pills when maybe it was just something that you that you have to go through naturally you know for a couple of weeks and it's just a rough patch and and you get through it um so it, it's it's uh it, it's a strange time now and that's one of the reasons why i wrote the book is is as someone that started having panic panic attacks at age five um i'm like well i've had this for a very long time and now i'm seeing people go through it for the first time and they're my age and people are killing themselves mm -hmm. and uh you know so i in the book i describe what does it feel like to have an anxiety attack and what 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 do what are mine like and what uh mindset do i have uh, you know, what caused it, my family history and what causes the, the depression and anxiety and go through all that and, and actually what it feels like when you wake up in the morning and you have it, you know, what does it feel like when you're at work? Um, you know, I go through all, all those sorts of proce procedures to where someone will go, oh, I'm not, 
you know, I'm not having a heart attack. I'm having a panic attack or I'm having a rough time. And, and this is what it's supposed to, and this is what it feels like because they freak out. I've never felt like this before. I'm having a heart attack and I need to go to the, you know, to the emergency. Right. So it, it's sort of educational that way, but it's within my, within the context of, you know, I'm telling a story about, you know, what I went through, what my life was like and, and the background and, you know, what caused things and, and part of it, you're born with it. You know, it's genetic that you have a, pro- a proclivity to have this. And uh, I just describe it to people. And then what I found in life to help it and, um, and then the hospital. And then so I just wrote about my experience in the hospital. And it's a sort of autobiography and and a little bit of a how-to book without uh being you know sensationalistic of 12 steps to curing your anxiety and you'll never be you'll never have a bad day again ever in your life you know and it's it's not sensationalistic like that it's it you know it's realistic you're gonna have bad days again you know yeah so can you give us any experiences about being in the psych ward like what what you know the things that happened to you or your um kind of you know did you feel like it was beneficial do psych wards work um to a certain extent yes because uh for someone like i i don't have schizophrenia uh i'm willing to talk about my feelings and i've been in therapy for a long time so i took advantage of talking to the the behavior health associates which are which are really like their therapists you know and they're with you all day and they're willing to talk to you all day so you basically have a um a therapist all day if you're someone that likes to talk about stuff so uh, i took advantage of that i talked to the nurses a lot um that part was very helpful because you get the vantage point of so many different people and it was fun uh you know communicating with especially with the nurses because you know they goof around and you make jokes and you know there were one or two nurses you come across that were mean but uh they were more fr- it's more out of frustration that they truly a lot of them you know like love the patients and um but there's not enough therapists. But when you do talk to somebody, uh, and you're 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 willing to speak enough about it, it, it is helpful in that respect. Um, the, the the part that I didn't enjoy was was the amount of medications I was on at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you know, six seven medications, and then you start adding up all the medications you've you've tried in your life, and when it's over twenty. <laughs> Um, you go, wow, I've tried a lot of stuff and, and, uh, and those medications are dangerous, some of them, and, they, and they'll mess you up. And, um, you know, I had three, uh, suicide attempts because of medications. Um, one with the Prozac, like I said, with the Xanax and then with, uh, Ativan. And then it was a combination of, of a bunch of Abilify and, uh, I was, it was in conjunction with Ativan also. So uh, that part, you know, you're very drugged up uh, to keep you sedated and you feel uh, that uh, you're there just so obviously just so you don't kill yourself. But, uh, you know, you're obviously it's limited of of what you're allowed to do. And um, 
the 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 therapy that you get uh, is a bit repetitive uh, for for the people that are truly ill. Uh, you know, it's people that with, with schizophrenia or they're psychotic um, that uh, need to be hospitalized, unfortunately, and um, they're just medicated. It's a, it's a lot of you see people just sort of zombied out and walking around and. Uh, and that's their lives, and you feel bad for them. Uh, but um, it, it, it's a real, it's a, it's a tough place to be. It's a, uh, you feel like your life spun out of control, and this is where you are. So you have to get over uh, the stigma of, of staying at a place like that. But um, it, it helped. I, you know, it's better than being dead. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So. Uh, you know, I, I made the best of it. Uh, you know, you, like I said, you make friends and um, you joke around a lot, and then you talk. Everybody shares why they were there and what happened for the most part. And uh, so I wrote about some of those people and um, and the funny stories that happened. And uh, so it wasn't a horrible situation. Like it, it, like I've read you know stories about you know psychiatric hospitals where there was blatant abuse going on and uh, people getting beaten uh, um, while I didn't see that uh, you know I saw people that were getting out of hand and uh, unfortunately the police have to come up and they got to be held down and you see somebody get medicated and that's you know uh, um and put in isolation. So uh, it's there's still that, you know, um, people get violent and then you're like, what are you supposed to do, you know, uh, when someone gets violent? So uh, they can hurt people. And uh, unfortunately, the steps they take are, are holding someone down and giving them a shot of, of what I was told was Thorazine, you know, because they can't tell you. But after a while, I, I'm like, I asked the other patients, I'm like, what do they shoot you up with? And they said Thorazine. I go, what does it do? And then they said, oh, it knocks you out all day. You're just like sleeping all day. And I was like, ooh, I want a shot of that. <laughs> I'm, like, I, I'm like, how come I never get the needle? You know, they're like, you know, you have to act out. And they're like, I'm not. Well, I can't. I can't fake acting out. You know, but I'm like, just give me something. You know, um, because uh, you know, I'm like, I'm there, sleeping all day and feeling in a nice coma would be uh, would be pretty good right now. Um, but you know, uh, I felt they kept me there for longer than I needed to be there for money, for money reasons, um, because insurance was paying for my stay. And uh, there was at a certain point, I said, you know, what else can we do here? You know, um, there's not there's nothing left to do. I need I need to leave. And, um, you know, I gave my reasons. I'm like, I've been in therapy my whole life. I have, you know, I'm, I have my master's degree in teaching. I, I have 36 credits graduate credits to be a uh, to be a guidance counselor so I already studied psychology and I've been in therapy and it's like I understand what I'm going through and you have me on enough medications where uh, you know I'm, I'm starting to see where this is like the doctor said it's a money machine you're just right. pushing meds on and I said why do I feel like I'm gonna get a bill after I get discharged from here for this extra for these extra few months and they said oh you won't get a bill and I got a bill for five hundred dollars <laughs> uh, you know a few months after I got out I'm like oh there it is so I got this bill and uh one a woman that does um you know the paperwork there she goes if you ever get a bill you like send it to me and I'll get it expunged 
And that's exactly what happened. I sent it to her and she got the bill expunged. She had the insurance company pay for it. So mm-hmm. um, it is, a, you know, there's a certain amount of money, you know, that they need because let's say um, there's nobody waiting for my bed at the hospital. You know, they don't have someone on the waiting list to get in. Um, and uh, they don't want to discharge me because then there's an empty bed. Right. So they're not going to make any money. So let's, let's keep Peter for a few more months until there's someone that needs to get, you know, the, until they want to get someone into the hospital here, you know. So, uh, you know, so let's keep him a few extra months. So I felt that's what they were doing, you know. Did you ever wonder if you were ever going to be able to get out? Um... I started getting a, I start when it got to the 11th, like the 10 and a half month mark. <laughs> um, and it was, uh, I did it a, t- a total of 14 months. So there was a, like oh, two weeks here, two weeks there, three weeks here. And then I did 11 months in a row. So when it got to the like 10, 10 and a half month mark of that 11 months, I'm like, I need to get out of here. <laughs> I started getting scared because I knew a few people there that were there you know, six, seven years they're living there at, mm, at Bronx Psychiatric wow. Center. Yeah. I'm like, how long have you been here? And he's like, 10 years. I'm like, holy shit, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm never getting out of here. And um, so you start getting scared. Like, oh my God, I'm going to be here forever, you know? Wow. And um, the one good thing was the, the social worker there, uh, when I got admitted, because I did uh, the, the last stint, the, the 11 months was spent at three different hospitals. So the last stint, uh, the third, the third uh, like trimester, I, you know, the third trimester um, was at Bronx Psychiatric. And that um, social worker, when I checked in, uh, so, you know, he's like, I don't know why you're here, because most of the patients are, are schi- have schizophrenia and need to be hospitalized for years on end. And he goes, I don't understand why you're here. You're not insane. You're obviously cognitively aware. You just have really bad depression and anxieties. And I'm gonna, he's, he was gonna try to speed up, you know, my, get, my getting discharged. He's like, hopefully you're not here long. Um, but uh, for, for uh, whatever reason, I was kept for a few extra months, you know, and I believe it was for money reasons. And um, COVID did start when I was there. Uh, so I got there in February, 2020. And then a few weeks later, COVID hit. And so I caught COVID there, but it, it wasn't, um, you know, it, I didn't have it where it's not even, uh, it was a headache and, and a fever for two days. And that was it. And I took, and I took Tylenol. So uh, by the time I found out I had it because the testing was, wasn't quick yet, um, I was already, I was already finished with it and I was back to doing what I was normally doing. And the doctor was like, oh, you had COVID. I was like, and I got scared because I'm like, well, what is it? (laughs) Right. Uh, What's going to happen? So um, I think that slowed things down of me getting, um, I think they use that as a, uh, as a reason because everything was on shutdown. So they're like, you know, no one's leaving and no one's, you know, no one's getting out and no one's coming in sort of thing. And um, that, that may be added to it, you know, the shutdowns. But, um, but if I was isolated, you know, uh, but that, but yet again, someone on my floor died from it. And, uh, you know, I caught it and a, and a few other people, a few other people caught it. So, and they didn't know what it was, you know, uh, early on. So it was sort of like a science fiction movie. I was like, I'm in a, 
I'm in a psychiatric hospital and there's a pandemic, you know, the world. What is this? And I'm looking out the windows of a, I'm looking out a, you know, a, a window with gates in front of it, you know, so no one jumps out. So wow. I'm just like, wow. oh my God, I can't get out of here. You know, I'm in pajamas all day. I'm on all these medications that are making me really heavy. Um, you know, and, and the thing I'm looking forward to most is, is, is Friday because they had pancakes for breakfast. And I, I had three friends that hated pancakes, so they would give me all their pancakes. <laughs> and that's why you get so heavy, because one day's pancakes, one day's waffles, and one day's French toast. So when you, A lot of when you make friends... You make friends with the people that didn't like that food. You know, they're giving you their breakfast. I'll trade. It's like trading it. You know, at a cafeteria when you're a kid. Yeah. You're like I'll trade you. I'll trade you my French toast for your fruit cocktail. I'm here. Deal. You know. <laughs> and you do that with enough people, and and the medications, you get heavy. So that is so funny, Peter. If somebody is interested in getting the book, um, tell us the name of the book again and where they can get it. Sure, it's called The Psych Ward Notes, Surviving Anxiety and Depression. They can get it on Amazon, Audible, Kindle, uh, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, and it's on uh, 42 uh, audiobook apps like Scribd and Chirp and Google Play, Apple. Nice. And um, it, it's, uh, you know, it's a memoir and it's uh, it, it goes from the origins to where the mental illness came from what it did to me, how it affected uh, all facets of my life, career, marriage, being a father. Um, I'm a musician, so there's stories about being a musician, having all this, and um, uh, you know, mistakes that I made in life, and um, you know, learning from that, and and uh, you know, I call it surviving anxiety and depression, but it's it's living with it. What's it like living with it, and. Uh, a lot of people said it, you know, this was great for someone like I was talking about earlier who never experienced this before. Mm. And now they know what it is. And it's right. sort of like in my mind when I was writing it, I was the question that I was thinking over and over in my head was, I wonder if anyone else feels this way, you know, and that's it, it's sort of it's almost like a question to the world. Does anybody else feel like this? And this is what happened to me. And this is what I. I did about it in, in all different facets of taking medication and excess and what's what's going to help you make make you feel a little bit better and cope with it a little bit better. It, you know, there's no promises of anything. It's just, it's this is what it is and this is what makes me feel better and this is what makes me feel worse and um, be open to trying different options uh, and. The things that I promote in there um, it are, are simple things like getting exercise, just going for a simple walk. And uh, like you said, we, at the beginning, well, like, because we're wrapping up, so, you know, to go back to the beginning of how to get help, you know, don't be afraid to get help. It's better than being dead. Right. Um, uh, research what, what uh, vitamins, research what medications you're taking and their side effects, because uh, the foundation of my uh, mental illness is being scared of death so and that's all detailed uh, but obviously for time's sake but you know if you go from someone that's afraid to afraid of dying to someone trying to kill themselves because of these medications um you know be aware of that and uh and so it's you know i don't like to say it's a self-help book but it's a um uh being a self-aware book maybe 
you know, yeah. almost a guy. I like almost a guidance. Guidance, you know. It's a yeah, guide. a little bit. Yeah, and and hopefully, you know, people, you know, uh, people relate to it, and uh, you know, and and just to understand what maybe what they're going through is not uh, something that's um, so uncommon because it's it's very common now, and uh, that's the other thing. You know, I'm worried about everybody. You know, everybody's depressed. It's it's don't be. De- it's almost like don't be depressed like me because this is what it feels like, and right. it's almost sort a sort of thing like that. You know, I don't want anybody to go through this. You know, right. So, well, Peter, thank you for sharing your story, Peter. Yeah, thank you, thank you so me. much for sharing your story. It's and been it's, great. It's, there's there and it's funny too because you know I had some good laughs in the hospital and I talk about that stuff and and you know. For some reason, I make my best jokes in, in like the most inappropriate times. <laughs> so just because that's the coping mechanism. So I'm like, all right, so I might as well put my humor in there, you know, make it not such a, such a serious book, but right. you know, there's everything in there. Well, thank you so much for coming on with us. We appreciate Thanks it. Thanks again. Welcome to the podcast, author Peter Vox. You know, that's pretty brave of him to share his story, you know, because not a lot of people want to talk about that stuff, much less, you know, survive it and take notes and then be able to still see the humor and all the craziness that's going on around you. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it was really, I thought it was really brave of him just to come out and just say what it is and just to, you know, just be very honest and, and, you know, talk about his experiences living in this, in these mental hospitals and what that was like. Yeah. And I think he helps uh, uh, eliminate some stereotypes people might have about mental illness. You know, I think sometimes people equate mental illness with being maybe unsuccessful or not being able to, to function in society, you know, and he's a very successful person, you know. And, and he's functioning and, and, and not everybody is functioning, but he's also saying that these people that you see muttering, walking the streets actually became his friends because at the end of the day, they are people too. And I think people lose sight of that. Yeah. So very insightful. I thought he was a great guest. I appreciate him coming on. Again, the name of the book, James? Not Psychic. (laughs) Okay. The Psych Ward Notes Surviving Anxiety and Depression. Right. The Psych psych. Ward. Yeah. The Psych Psych Ward Notes Surviving Anxiety and Depression. Can get it on Amazon. All right, what do we got going on for random bullshit, my friend? Well, you know, this is the thing now. You know, sticking with Peter and how he was saying, you know, he thought maybe they kept him in there a little longer or whatever. And I was thinking, what would you do? in order to be able to get out knowing you had to get out, you know, like knowing that you no longer needed to stay there, you know, 
we should have some kind of like I think what I'm saying because we should have some kind of code. So if I end up going in there and they won't let me out, like I got like I'll like put a candle in the window or something, and you'll know to like help me get out. Is what I'm saying. Um, although ingenious is your plan, I believe James, if you were in a psych ward, a you wouldn't be having anything that made fire. Okay. Oh, that's true. My bad. So as far as putting a candle in the window, probably not going to happen. I don't think they're going to be giving you a lighter or matches or anything like that. I am that, although a very ingenious plan, I don't think that's realistic because remember, dude, you're in a psych ward. Okay. And my question is, and, and because you're in a psych ward, I have to ask exactly why are you in a psych ward? Because I think I, I missed that part of the random bullshit. Did you tell me why you went? I'm just supposed to come get you? You could really... Well, doesn't, see, but that's what I'm going with. Does it really matter why I'm in there? What matters is they won't let me out now. And maybe there's a good reason why they won't let you they out. They didn't want to let Peter out. You're not see? Peter. You're James. Well, and, but I'm saying if I were in the same situation, I wanted I want someone to help me get out, man. That would be scary. <laughs> you laugh now. Wait until they keep you. I'm not they, going. I go, sorry, I can't help. I'm can't not help. I'm not going unless one of my children check me in. And there's you know, that's probable. But I'm not going there's willingly. A, what, there's a there's like a thirty-five percent chance it might happen. Yeah, there is. That's true. But I'm not going willingly. You know, it's not happening. Well, I did, well, that's the thing. You go willingly, and then they won't let you out. At what point, when they won't let you out, you, you know you went willingly. That's the scary thing, man. Well, you know what the you know what the solution is. Don't have. Well, insurance. you're gonna say don't go. No, don't have insurance, and then it's not a non-issue. Well, yeah, because they probably wouldn't even let you in. Right, because you can't pay for it. So yeah, you can't pay it, so you're not, you, you don't, don't have, help. You don't have insurance, so you don't even yeah. have to worry about it, James. So see, problem solved. See? It's America, man. I you're like a fixer, man. I fixed it. Just you did? <laughs> I'm sorry, my anxiety's all over. I fixed it. You'll just remain the voice of reason. You'll just remain uninsured and you don't have to worry about it. Don't ever have to deal with another doctor again for the rest of your life. That That's uh true. problem solved. Thank That's you. True. Can I get an appointment? Yeah, we have one like in seven years. Okay. Still don't have insurance. So But we'll get you in. Maybe, maybe not. In seven years we'll get back to you. Yeah. If we have an opening. Oh, that's the wait list? Yeah, because you don't have insurance. Oh, fuck. So, you know, I'm just saying, you're uninsured. So you don't ever have to worry about going to a psych ward. They won't keep you because who's paying for it? You think that shit's free? No, sir. Well, but you know, well, and Peter, Peter like, said he had great insurance. Peter said he's right. always insured. So in your story, you're uninsured. So you're, it, no worries. It, it's it's my story. <laughs> what if I want insurance in my story? You know, you don't get insurance. You didn't say hey, that. You're uninsured. You're uninsured. You don't have to worry about it. You're not going. You can just wander around the streets muttering to yourself. 
No, that's not. That's your story. No, because I'm not going at all. I keep my faculties until the day I no longer am on this planet. I leave here knowing exactly what's happening. Well, let's hope so, my there's friend. No, there's no hope and still trap, my friend. Still trap. Yeah. Rusty and hard to open. <laughs> but still, nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. You can get us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Um, you can check out our website, www.thatsomecrazyshit.com. No, actually, it's that's some crazy shit podcast.com. Podcast, yeah. Com. Yep. Next week, James, another guest. Oh, well, not always, but yes. Yep. Another guest. Yeah, you're true. Not always, but probably 95% of the time, it's another guest. And when it's not a guest, the two people we have usually do a pretty good job. They do. Why are we oh. referring to ourselves in the third person? Because we hit it big now. When you start talking about yourself in the third person, you know you hit it big. Right? Or you think you hit it big. Or, yeah. yeah. All right, my friend. Now, now, now you have to start. I'm going to start saying like, well, when James, when James Baez gets on the podcast, James Baez likes to talk to Kelly Morgan about what they're going to do. And when Kelly Morgan gets on the podcast, yeah, it just changes the whole mood because she's that chick. Welcome to the podcast, Kelly Morgan. That, that oh, you're like the, the the chick, the voice on the Warriors. <laughs> Not that voice. Oh. (laughs) You could be that voice, I guess, if you I was thinking the radio voice. Oh, not the dude. Oh, I forgot what the dude if you want. (laughs) All right, James, wrap it up. We're dating ourselves with warriors. Yeah, we're dating ourselves (laughs) with the warriors. (laughs) Well then, gentlemen. All right, people. Keep your minds open.